Well, good morning, friends. Good morning. A special welcome to those of us uh, joining digitally. And uh, blessed Advent, friends. Happy New Year. And uh, blessed end of the semester. Uh, this is our last chapel service of the semester. And uh, while I can't add anything to your test scores or GPAs myself, uh, I pray that this morning you get just a little bit more of what you need to punch through that last week. <laughs> All right, um, let's prepare ourselves with a deep breath in together and a deep breath out. Let's join together in a word of prayer. The words will appear around you. Um, let's uh, read the uh, Words right. Let's pray the, the, bold, the bold print together, and um, I will lead the, the plain print myself. So let's pray, friends. God, who was and is and is to come, we give you thanks for this semester's journey and for the ways you have been present with us. For all the new things to which our eyes have been opened, we praise you, God of law for friendships deepened along the way. We praise you, Rod of Jesse, for all the ways you have tended to our wounds. We praise you, our day spring, for the rootedness we found in this seminary community. We praise you, Key of David, for the people we have been formed into. We praise you, Holy Wisdom, for our hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice that will not let us go. We praise you, desire of nations. We praise you, God of all, for all that has been, all that is now, and all that soon shall be. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. That closing line is also our first hymn for the morning. I invite you to stand in body or spirit as you are feeling comfortable, and let's sing together.
may be seated, friends, as an, and as Jeff makes his way to the front, uh, I invite you to prepare your hearts to receive Holy Scripture. From the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. It's my pleasure to introduce our preacher for today's chapel sermon. Reverend Hilarion Chidi Hezu is a Master of Arts in Christian Leadership student who is finishing at the end of this semester. Chidi will be presenting his ministry specialization project, which is the culminating project of this degree program, the MACL. Chidi transferred here to EMS in the fall of 2022 from Fresno Pacific Biblical Seminary, and it has been my pleasure to serve as his academic advisor and to have him in several courses. Chidi has been active in ministry for more than 20 years. In his current pastoral role at Los Angeles Faith Chapel, Chidi leads Bible studies, preaches, provides pastoral care, and engages in outreach ministries. He is engaged in prison ministry and hospital chaplaincy and hospitality for persons through the Samaritan home without secure housing. Mosaic Mennonite Conference, which is the conference of Mennonite Church USA, where his congregation is a member, has ordained Chidi for pastoral ministry and he serves on the conference's Faith and Life Commission. Chidi had a distinguished career in finance 
in his home country of Nigeria before coming to the US. He was a qualified accountant and licensed agent for life and annuity insurance. He is fluent in four languages. This affords him access to multiple communities and walks of life. Chidi relates with flexibility and nuance in American cultures and international contexts. Pastoral care in this intercultural milieu, milieu is his life's work. And the topic of his ministry specialization project, which we will hear him present from this morning, a theologically informed practical resource for persons providing pastoral care in intercultural settings like his. Chidi's professors and fellow students here at EMS affirm Chidi as friendly, insightful, and compassionate. They speak of him appreciating his clarity of thought, his sincere questions, and his readiness to engage in respectful listening and dialogue. Chidi is an analytical thinker who has a deeply caring spirit and attends to people as whole. He is known as a person of integrity who is truthful, gracious, and kind. Chidi is also a dedicated husband and father. He has been married to Stella for over 17 years, and they have four children, Victor, David, Joy, and Esther. They live in the Los Angeles area, and Chidi travels frequently to attend classes here on campus, but not today which is why he will be presenting from Zoom. Please give him your attention. Thank you, Dr. Bisla, and thank you for the introduction. And Emmanuel has such uh, uh, a CV. My name is Chidi, and the uh, intercultural environment is one thing I've always loved to do because of life experience and so many things that have happened to me. The, my, the content of my presentation will be as listed, introduction, goal, resource information, uh, biblical scripture useful for my resource, Lante's key concept on the four movement to a new culture, and a conclusion. I come from Igbo. I'm an Igbo guy from Nigeria. And most times we speak in dialects. And one of the things, one of the dialects I want you to take home today is that there are so many ways to the market square. The cultural diversity and our different ways of doing things on the earth should not separate us, but rather strengthen and bring us together for the benefit of humanity. Is a this man standing whose image you see was an experience that I had that brought me into paying attention to intercultural differences and value. Like I said, I'm from the Igbo culture. And like you heard Dr. Bisler said, I was also an accountant and an auditor. And that took me around Nigeria and I also learned language. But one of the things that happened to me when I went to the Yoruba culture 
I try to greet someone. The Igbo culture greets you, say hi, and they walk away. But it wasn't the same in Yoruba culture. I was actually called when I said hi to an elderly person. And he said, Chidi, come. I know you're a good boy. I know you're a trained up child, but do not greet me that way again. I said, wow. So what do you do? You say, you either bow your head, or you bow your body, or you genuflex. That became the pathway for me to begin to learn and appreciate the need to see the differences that exist among different cultures. The goal of uh, my presentation today is to help pastoral leaders, pastors who want to engage in ministry in different cultures and their ab ability to adapt to new cultures and provide a resource for pastoral leaders in an intercultural environment. Now, this resource developed is in four sermons for pastoral leaders in an intercultural ministry. And we had one of the scripture, a part of the scripture read by Brother um, Jeff. Thank you for doing that. And um, the, the, the concept was built around Lante's theory on four movements into a new culture. So the first sermon was framed around his cultural um, um, uh, beliefs on what the faces you go through moving into a new culture. In Matthew 9, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 16 and 17, was the, was the Jesus speaking to the people, telling them that you cannot put join an old garment with a new garment. Neither can you pour a new wine into an old wine. It doesn't work. And this scripture was key for me because as you move into a new culture, you must begin to see things differently. And Jesus was telling them that the days of or the times of your old Judaism is over. There's a new dimension of the good news. And he wants us to pay attention to that. In the book of Ruth, we also see a movement of people between two cultures. Son Naomi's movement with Elimelech, Elimelech and the two sons, and uh, Ruth uh, to, to the country of Moab, and we also saw Ruth's movement to a new culture in Bethlehem. We saw the challenges that Naomi had that made her refer to herself as Mara. She lost the husband, she lost the two sons. And uh, the book of Ruth in, 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 four, in the four chapters, one talks about the migration of Ruth, two talks about Boaz, who was the third character that was key in the book of Ruth, talks about Boaz's involvement of kindness to Ruth and Naomi. Uh, chapter 3 talks about his proposal for marriage and Ruth's submission. And chapter 4 talks about the redemption of Ruth and Naomi. Why did I choose Lante for this study? It's because we share similar cultural values. It's from West Africa from Ghana, I'm from Nigeria. He schooled in Britain. I was in Britain for a while, involved in ministry, and we both are in the US. He's a professor at Emory University, and I'm a student at EMS. The latest theory of adapting to a new culture, he made reference to four things. One is that you must encounter the culture. Two is that you must understand the culture. Three is that you must live within the culture. Four is that you must have authority in the culture. 
Now, I, I read through his books and um, amazing book, but there are things that I, I try to draw to my mind is the fact that there could, which I call pastoral environment dissimilarity. What does that mean? LA is where my local church is. My encounter, my understanding, my living within the system and having authority in the system is different from what happens in the homeland, homeless ministry that we do in downtown. Even though they are both in the same place, but they are different. They are, their language are different. Their philosophy is different. Secondly, he talks about cognitive abilities and he said, that is very relevant when you get into the deep cultures. But my experience in Nigeria, in the northern part of Nigeria, you don't wait to get into the deep cultures to know about the people. If you walk into the north, where it's purely Islamic, and you dress in a way they don't like, they are ready to get you down. He made reference to key concepts critical and constructive reflection. You must have a good knowledge to do that. You must be able to interpret the, the, um, your perception as a pastoral leader within the scriptures of the Bible and with emphasis on um, the people's context and their understanding. There will always be culture shocks. Yeah, it's your ability to face challenges, to adapt to new environment. Human and divinity is always key. So you must be able to relate with the people in their understanding of God, in their views and teaching and perception of who God is. Keno says you must empty yourselves. You must empty yourself of your old tradition. Incarnation is that you must be willing to recognize the active presence of God in these different cultures and heritages of the world. Encounter. Just like we read in the case of Naomi, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She was, there was excitement in Ruth when she, began, when she made that comment. But beyond the excitement, there were other things that happens when you come into a new culture. When I came into the U.S. in 2018, there was the excitement of ministry. I was willing and desiring to do ministry. I came with an ideology of what I thought ministry was. Your, your people, the people of my court, which was multicultural, Nigerian, West African, some few Caucasians, some African-American, I wanted to do ministry. But there were culture shocks that came in. My preaching style, where I come from in Nigeria, we're used to preach, we can preach for the next one hour. But that wasn't working here. So I needed, that was one of the first things I realized. The next thing was my assets. I gave a very wonderful message in one of those days. And uh, the guy came out after the message. I met an African-American. We got talking. He said, that message was beautiful. But you know what? I didn't hear what you were saying. Said, wow. He said, yes, your accent. I didn't hear what you were saying. And that takes me to the second stage of Lante's theory, where he talks about understanding the culture. And we also saw that in Ruth. Ruth has to empty herself. She has to let go of her old culture. She has to embrace the new culture. Ruth listening to Naomi, which was very key in her, in her getting married to Boaz and in, in her engaging in the glean. Glean is a system that was then where the widows, the pagans were allowed to pick the drops 
that falls during a harvest. She paid attention to Naomi. She listened to Naomi's counsel. For me, my experience in understanding the culture, I had to let go of what I used to know and what I knew about preaching. I had to begin to realize that in this context, you cannot hold people for too long. The maximum 15, 20 minutes and 30 minutes is the maximum you can do. And that became what I began to do. I realized that I may not be able to change my accent, but I can try to speak slowly. I began to engage in learning. That was what led me to my first Bible school in EMBS on leadership. I began to learn how to adapt to the system. I began to learn what, are, what is the way, what, how do we do ministry in this place? I began to understand that there's a difference between a Pentecostal church, which was my background, with conservative Mennonite church. I was privileged to attend a Mennonite church at one time. And when I did, I said, praise the Lord. And nobody gave me a response. And I realized that people came out to worship quietly. They didn't want the noise. That became the practice. And I began to learn that I had to engage with them in those different perspectives where they find themselves. Living within the new culture, what the thought face or Nantes, um, um, um movement within a new culture. And we also see this in the life of Ruth and Naomi. What was the first thing that happened? Love and kindness of Ruth to Naomi. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And we also saw that this was reciprocated by Boaz. The inclusive love of God triumphing over racial discrimination, drawing the non-Israelites into God's redemptive plan. Living with, within, within the system experience for me was a greater familiarity with the culture. Participate in the culture. Love the people beyond the racial discrimination. Looking at the redemption plan of God. Learning the culture of Thanksgiving, it wasn't what we used to do begin to pay attention to their sports. LA are known for LA Lakers. And it became something I began to learn. And I began to engage more in evangelism and care and kindness with an understanding of the love that was above racial discrimination, of the incarnation that, was in, that Christ gave to us that he had to take the form of woman. He was humbled. He became humbled so that men might gain the fullness of redemption. Just as it was for Boaz, who has to take root in, who has to redeem them, who has to redeem Naomi from the bondage and the challenges that were in existence in that time for women. An engagement for me was beginning to change my mindset to the way, living within the system, to change my mindset of about the way ministry is done. And the fourth one is having authority. 
We saw Naomi exercise the authority, explaining the Jewish law to Ruth, resulting in her marriage to Boaz. We also saw Boaz having authority in the legal tradition, interpreting the law to Ruth, saying to Ruth that, I'm willing to marry you, but the law says that your closer relatives should do it. But if they are not, I will. And she followed through. And there was a protection. There was honor that was restored back to the Elimelech family. Having authority for me in a new culture from my experience is my ability to explain how things work from my own experience. My ability to tell people that are just coming in that you will have to deal with issues of immigration. Begin to explain to, to them how you have to survive in this new system. At this point in time, I began to appreciate the reasons for the challenges and the contradictions in the new culture. That there are many, many of us have different perspectives to things that we cannot always see things the same way. At this point in time, I began to engage with ministry, with a sense of responsibility of the new system. With a sense of paying attention to the healthy boundaries for pastoral leaders. I begin also to learn that there is a place and there's a limit to who and who you can hug in America. This is not Africa. It becomes something new for me. It gave me uh, the need to also educate other pastors who are going through these things in their, who are going through some of these challenges in their various uh, uh, ministry who are just new in the system. To be able to look at the contradictions and the differences that exist within the society, that became very key for me as a pastor. Pastoral leader who want to function at its optimal level must appreciate the fact that he must be diversified. He must not be limited to one culture. He must have the ability to have ideas of other cultures, either through cognitive abilities or through pastoral presence in those locations. A pastoral leader must be willing to empty himself or herself to be able to enter into a new culture. You can't join the old garment with the new garment. You can't put the new wine in the old wine skin. You must be able to set boundaries and you must be able to recognize where you are. You must be your ability to be informed of many cultures would help for you to render a critical, a constructive, a reflective, and an interpretative reflection to the best of your authority in whatever culture you find yourself. It will lead you into an environment whereby you would be able to carry out the gospel 
which is the work that Christ wants us to do. He said we should go to nations and make disciples of Christ. You'll be able to be received by people when you find yourself in that new environment. You'll be able to carry out the purpose and the calling of ministry to redeem. You'll be able to break the barriers, the hostility that our racial differences have created for us. And you'll be able to bear in mind that we are all one in Christ. And when, when Emmanuel came, he came to save the world. Even though we knew that Israel were God's plan, but salvation brought us one to all, brought us all to one in him. And that is the primary and the center, the vocal point of every pastoral leader. Thank you. Thank you, Chidi, for your presentation. We now have opportunity for questions and discussions with Chidi. There are some attendees, I believe, on Zoom who may have a question or a comment. If so, I invite you to just indicate in the chat that you have a question. And then we will um, turn it over to you so that you can ask your question and Chidi will be able to hear it and probably even see you through the Zoom feature uh, if you enable your video. Um, I have a, mic a handheld microphone that I will bring to those of you who are in the Martin Chapel space if you have a question or a comment for Chidi. And so we will try to engage across multiple platforms in this manner. Is there someone who would like to begin our engagement with Chidi? Since I'm Chidi's advisor, and I've thought about this longer than the rest of you, <laughs> I'll start with my question. <laughs> Chidi, I'm curious, in your development of these four movements of pastoral care in an intercultural context, your repeated emphasis on kenosis is interesting to me. Sometimes I think about different, um, different models like assimilation or accommodation or adaptation. And I'm wondering if you could comment a little bit more on how you hold together the emptying of self in the presence of a new culture and the critical reflection. Um, so in what way is there an honoring of one's own culture even in the midst of a new one. Thank you, Dr. Bisla. Um, kenosis, is, um, kenosis is key for um, pastoral care in an intercultural environment. Um, I, I think the key point is that you, you see, the first thing about you coming to an intercultural environment 
is that you must identify who you are. You must identify your culture. You must have a cultural identity that must hold you. Now, when you have a cultural identity that holds you, then you are able to walk into a new culture. Now, when you walk into a new culture, the assimilation comes in, everything comes in. But what we are saying is that in that new culture, your old culture should not be the dominant. It should not take, it should not take preeminence to the new culture. Yeah, you allow yourself to soak into the new culture. You allow yourself to, um, to, to pay attention to the new culture. There are times that your old culture may want to reflect, but it's not always important. Like naturally, Chidi will want to hug anybody he sees because that's the whole bringing up heart from my whole life. But you must always put the dominance of the new culture where you find yourself, even in the midst of your assimilation. And what I've realized is that over time, you still hold on to your old culture, but you are not able to penetrate into the new culture in the, in, in, in the, in the perspective of how you are to relate with the people in the new culture. I don't know if I've answered or I tried to answer your question. He did. Thank you. Thank you, Chidi. Other questions? Hi, Chidi. This is Professor Joyner, and I'm grateful for you sharing with us today. I liked how you emphasized one of the key concepts of Larty's movements. And one of those was speaking in the theological language of the culture in which you find yourself. So I'd like to hear if you can lift up a story from your pastoral care ministry where you did exercise care in a theological language other than what you are most familiar with. Thank you. Yeah, um, I've been involved in, uh, in hospital ministry here in the U.S. And uh, um, we engaged with someone who is an, uh, an African-American. Um, one of the things I, um, one of the things you do when you, when I get to such an environment is to, is to have an understanding of your, of your religious background. And interestingly, the lady that, um, that was in question was just a, was a young believer who is just coming up and um, who is also uh, learning to do things in ministry. So I engage with her because I engage with her on the ground that I knew she was a young Christian. I knew she was an African-American. I didn't come to tell her that you have seen, you have done that because I know it's part of her story. My interest to her was to make her see the love of God. 
to make us see the kindness that exists in Christ. That was my emphasis. So that became the um, that became the point at which I related with her. If I've met someone else who was um, more informed or who had a deeper knowledge of the, of the things of God, I would also relate with that person at that perspective. I'm also mindful of the fact that I was also dealing with an African American who also is different from an African who is from Nigeria. So some of them have this perception that we, some of us sold them to slave trade and uh, some of us did something that they went through. So I was cognizant of that. I was paying attention to a need and try to relate with her and not bring anything that has to do with my person in it at all. And that was how I worked with her in, in doing that. So I didn't take it outside of that. That was the context of it. She needed a health, she had a health need that I wanted us to pray for her for, and we took it within her context. That was what we did. Thanks, Chidi. This is Penny Driediger. Um, I, yeah, just thank you for your presentation. I, uh, I would, I'm wondering about your use, uh, how you're thinking about authority. And I was just wanted to get a little more clarity about that. I think it seems really important. I just, and especially in relation to kenosis and yeah, just how you hold those, the, the idea of self-emptying and then how are you thinking about authority? Um, and you may have said it, but just, but just to reiterate for me how you're using the idea of authority. Okay, um, firstly, um, authority for me is, is in the context of um, the culture. So authority for me is in the place of um, um, I exercising my role as a pastor. Now, um, um, firstly, you engage with the authority in the context of the new culture of the understanding of the people and how they see things. Secondly, as a pastor, you must also um, um, exercise your authority and uh, paying attention to your health, healthy boundaries in engaging with the, the, uh, the care seeker. Yeah, so one of the things we, we do is to engage care seekers going with someone else or go with someone who also could, uh, who also understand the person's culture, who is able to listen and be able to tell us how best to relate with that. So that's what I mean by authority. We have time for one other question. Is there someone else who would like to offer a question for Chidi? I've got an easy one for you, uh, Chitty. This is Jeff. So would you describe your 
uh, accustomed greeting practices in Nigeria and then just comment on how you have had to change uh, your greetings in particular with hugs? <laughs> okay, Jeff. Thank, thank you. Um, I think one thing that has um, that has helped me is um, at any given point in time, I have tried to identify the environment where I find myself. Um, if I still find myself among um, the Nigerian community, they always will throw their hug at me. So. Um, one thing I've also done recently is that I try not to push for a hug. So if it comes, I will receive it. Mm -hmm. um, there have been times that um, when I find myself in a new culture <laughs> or in a, a culture that does not welcome the idea of hug, um, I realize that my involuntary action would want to make me do it. So sometimes <laughs> I hold back myself and I just technically introduce my hand to you, you know, but yet once or twice that I've also still thrown the hog in the new culture, you know, but um, it's the awareness that is important to me and the willingness to drive a change and to recognize that is a new environment, is a new culture. And um, it's something that you keep doing over time and um, you would um, master it. I bet you, if you, Jeff, if you go to Nigeria or you find yourself where I come from, if you don't want it, they will give it to you, you know. <laughs> and you have no choice than to deal with it. So that's probably things that you see where you find yourself in a new uh, culture. Thank you again, Chidi, for your presentation and for the engagement with our seminary chapel community here. Thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege. And I'm grateful for the opportunities that EMS has availed me. I see Dr. Ott, I'm grateful for your leadership and I'm grateful for everyone in the school. And uh, I'll continue to be a good ambassador to the school and the system. Thank you. Thank you, Chidi, for your, 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 your work and your ministry and for sharing that with all of us. As we continue to soak in everything that, that's been shared, I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. The words should appear on the walls around us. And let's pray together. Bless, O oh God, the ones who tend us and those that you call us to tend. Bless, O oh God, the paths you have led us on as well as the winding paths ahead. Bless, O oh God, our hands for healing, as well our mouths and eyes and ears. Bless, O oh God, all those who suffer, as well their worries, wounds, and tears. Bless, O oh God, our waking hours, both our work as well as our rest. And grant, O oh God, your Holy Spirit, that we would know you call us blessed. Amen.
final hymn before we go our separate ways back into uh, this lovely day is Bless the Arms that Comfort. You'll find that either on page 527 or right here. I invite you to stand in body or spirit as you're comfortable and let's sing back one more time to offer us a blessing on our way. Amen. Thank you, reverence. Dear friends, I send you forth to a community of diversity, to Emmanuel who came to save the world. Go in peace and in the love of God. God bless you.